Welcome to another edition of the Step Back Sisterhood. I am Tara here today with Janelle, Britt, and Amber. Ladies, it is great to see you. We got to have last week off while the Super Bowl was happening, but we're back together to talk NBA today. How's everybody doing? I'm good. I'm good. Doing well. I know, uh, Amber, I believe there's a storm bearing down on you right now (laughs) in much of the country. There is a storm bearing down on, you know, on Oklahoma City. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. We've got food at the house. We've got TV. We got Wi-Fi. We've got electricity. So I am blessed. I am blessed. Well, hopefully we won't lose you and we'll be able to make it through with everybody staying connected. Boy, it's uh, it's wild out there. I am in Portland and uh, we've got about eight inches of snow on the ground. And let me tell you, Portland has no idea what to do when it snows. It's a total comedy. Um, so I am doing the thing where I don't go anywhere because I have no idea how to cope. Anyway, hey, let's talk about the NBA because it's been a while and uh, wanted to check in and find out how everybody's teams are doing. And one thing that is different from the Blazers this year is they got a new um, uh, broadcaster. Well, they had they got a new uh, play-by-play guy in the during the bubble. So this is his first full season. And in my opinion, he has been killing it. His name's Jordan Kent. He's uh, teamed up with Lamar Hurd, and I think they do an amazing job. They're calling the games from not the arenas right now. Um, so I just wanted to find out how you all like your teams, uh, you know, people who covered your broadcast, and find out a little bit more about what they're like. Like, where are they broadcasting from? Um, and how it's going this year. So let's see. Let's go. Amber, do you want to start and tell us a little bit about the uh, OKC broadcast team and how things are different this year? Well, I usually put them on mute. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> I usually, you know, I watch the games on mute a lot of times because I'm watching other games as well. So if there's a game on ESPN, then I'll probably listen to Doris Burke over the announcements for the Thunder. I'm just being honest. If I play the Thunder on the big TV, that TV's on mute, and I'm probably listening to Doris Burke on, on my iPad or my computer. It's it's hard for me to listen to games, even football games. It depends on who's announcing. And a lot of people feel that way. I know you guys feel that way. When I listen to the Hornets, we're going to talk about the Hornets, of course. I love. I just figured out that I love their announcers. And me and the people in my sports network were talking about how great their announcers are for the Hornets. And the Oklahoma City announcers aren't bad. It's just, some of it just comes off as very cheesy to me. And I get that from a lot of announcers. Uh, Doris Burke just has a natural feel to me for the game of basketball um, when when she's announcing. And with others, I feel like, like with Chris, even with Chris Weber. And with um, Reggie Miller, let's see, we got Chris Weber, Reggie Miller. Who else does analysts? Uh, Mark Jackson and Van Gundy, they do it. Sometimes it doesn't come off mm, genuine, I guess you can say. Uh, Richard Jefferson's not bad. Richard, Richard Jefferson's not bad. But they're usually on mute. <laughs> I do try to sometimes listen to them. Some mama say, Amber, how do you feel about, you know, the announcers there? Why is TV on mute? (laughs) 
so I'll say, Mom, you know, like either I'm watching another game or. Um, Who are they? Are they former players? Uh, well, Michael Cage used to play and, and, and Chris, he doesn't play. Chris Fisher doesn't play. Um, but Michael Cage used to play and he talks about his church league all the time. <laughs> he talks about hooping in the church league all the time. It's really hilarious. So if I want a good laugh, you know, Michael Cage gives me some good laughs sometimes. I'm not, I'm, I must admit that. But say for instance, say for instance, if the Thunder game is the only game on, I will turn on the announcers. But if I have to watch multiple games, I will listen to, you know, the main announcers for what that main game like I usually have to have multiple devices going because I have to talk about the thunder on thunder coast to coast and then I have to talk about other games as well for my sports network so I have to kind of combine all that action in together and I can't have multiple voices it'll make me go crazy <laughs> but I've grown to like Chris Fisher I have and I've grown to like Michael Cage now are they on all the time no if the Thunder game is the only game I'm watching, I do listen. I do listen enough to know that Michael Cage loves his church league. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I knew he used to play in the NBA. And he he and Chris Fisher, they have a very good chemistry. They have a very, very good bond when it comes to uh, doing Thunder games. And I do appreciate that. But, you know, I, I prefer to watch the games on silence and sometimes give my own analytics or I'm watching something else. But I don't I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it. Okay, so you know, mild <laughs> appreciation, but not overwhelming, like super high high enthusiasm for <laughs> the group. Yes, yes. I, I appreciate it because I appreciate everybody's craft, everybody's hustle. Um, I appreciate it. I can't say, oh, I don't appreciate Thunder announcers. I appreciate Oklahoma City for having a team. Sorry, Seattle. <laughs> I appreciate Oklahoma City for having a team. I, I really do. So I have to appreciate that everything we get in Oklahoma City because we're a small market team. So I, yeah. I appreciate that. It's funny you bring up Seattle. Speaking of Seattle, Portland had two years where they recently, they just had Kevin Calabro as their announcer, which like court sort of shook Portland to the core because he was the Seattle guy. And then he was hired to come cover Portland. And he had a kind of a rough time integrating into the Portland, partly because he frequently accidentally called the Blazers, the Sonics. And that didn't go Ooh. over very well. And he's so, so, so knowledgeable, but I just, I just could not warm up to him. And so part of the reason the Blazers have a, a new uh, person that they got in the bubble is because uh, Calabro decided, that uh, he wasn't he didn't want to do the bubble and so he decided to step down so he may be showing up again probably nationally uh, from ESPN but he is not coming back to Portland but yeah that was a little bit of a rough integration for him so how about you Janelle you kind of have two different fan bases you've got your eyes on of course you've got the Warriors but then also you know uh, you with the work that you're doing for Carolina Blitz you've also been uh, watching what they're up to yes I think I will begin with the Warriors first First, and the Warriors have Bob Fitzgerald and for two seasons, Kalina Azabuki. Uh, Bob Fitzgerald is, is a homer to his core. And a lot of uh, these play-by-play guys are, but sometimes he just takes it to a whole nother level. And he's cringe with it. And on Twitter, I, I call him cringe-ass Fitz. And she, yeah, exactly. And 
you know, he is who he is, you know, Joe Lincoln likes him and we're all stuck with him. So he is who he is. And, and the shame about Bob is that before becoming the Warriors play-by-play guy, he was really an accomplished Emmy-winning reporter, you know, back in the day. But, you know, with play-by-play, and if you're working for a team, I guess you you have to, you know, change who you are. And I think we're finding that with Kalina as well. Kalina was a good studio analyst for them for about two seasons. And now he replaced um, Jim Barnett. Jim is at on radio now. And to be honest, I think Kalina really shines in the studio as an analyst, like um, what Bonte Hill and Darrell Wright are doing right now. But Kalina is really solid with his analysis. And I know that, I mean, for me, I believe that Kalina feels like he has to match fits his energy and he does not there's nothing wrong with being the straight man to fits his energy you know whatever that energy is it and that's what made him and Jim work you know and I'm not really asking Kalina to be Jim Jim dipped in chocolate but what I'm asking him is to you know bring a little bit of his own personality not what he thinks that the producers want him to be. And as long as he does that, and as long as he comes with the analysis like he's doing, they will be fine. But yes, I've been, I'm in North Carolina, as everybody knows, and I watch my share of Hornets games. And I love the attention and the shine that Eric Collins is getting. And, you know, I'm, what he's doing ain't new to me. Eric Collins ain't new to this. He's true to this. And I told him so in my interview with him for Carolina Blitz. And what really sticks out to me is how he talked about he wants to work in a place that makes him happy. And he mentioned some times when he was a general assignment reporter in Rochester, New York, when he was around the courts, around crimes, you know, covering crimes, covering um, the courts and everything. And while it was a job and, you know, it paid the bills, it really didn't make him happy. And he made a career shift into sports. And another interesting thing about him is that he was a sideline reporter for the Bulls during the Jordan era. Now, just amazing. Just his career has been amazing. And those little known nuggets really made the interview for me. Great and to have part- a, oh, sorry. Hmm? I was going to say, it's great to have a guy like that who's got such, so much experience so that like when they're calling a game and there's nothing going on in the game, they at least have some interesting thing that they can talk about, you know, like going back to Chicago, he could always bring up an old Michael Jordan story <laughs> if there's a lull in the action. Yes, and that's what makes him and Dale so great because when you listen to Hornets broadcast, they are actually having a conversation with each other and it's natural. It's just natural. And, um, you know, I see why Eric is the way he is with his energy. Um, 
And he didn't start out as a, a basketball guy. He was a baseball guy. And that's where he that's what he really loves. And he worked for the Dodgers doing part time with Vin Scully. Just imagine, you know, filling those shoes. I'd love to hear him call a baseball game. And I don't even love baseball like that. But if he's bringing that same kind of energy um, to baseball like he's doing with the Hornets, I'd love to tune into a game with him on the mic. He's just an awesome man. Yeah, it makes me want to go uh, check out some of their broadcasts. Amber, you said that you like them. Uh, I forgot to ask you, too. Are your uh, teams... Where are they calling the games from right now? Are they in the arena or are they in a separate studio or do you know? The Warriors, I've, I saw um, them like in the arena, separated by like plexiglass mm-hmm. on some games. And then on other games, I saw them in the studio about six feet apart. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Eric and Dale in the arena. I've never seen them in a studio like um, Kalina and Fitz. And, and for OKC, they're in the arena. Like they're, they're in the arena, but they're like separated by like six feet. Like they have like a long desk on the floor and they're in the arena. So that's what it is for OKC. So Britt, tell us what the situation is like in Houston. Who are the guys who are, or, or I don't need, I'm not an assumption that's a, who are the folks who are calling uh, the games in Houston and how are they doing? Yeah. In Houston's case, all of the announcers are, um, are dudes. And then we have a female play by play announcer who started two seasons ago and I'm blinking on her name. So as I'm looking that up, um, Bill Royale is our, I guess relatively well known, um, maybe in the negative sense the last few years. Um, play by play announcer, he's been there since the two Rockets NBA championships, um, slightly before. So he's been there for a long time. And quite frank, and he only, pl- um, at this point, he only calls the home games. Um, so at, uh, well, none of them are traveling right now. They all um, called the game at the arena. Um, they've changed things so that I think during the home games, they're sitting like separately or during the home games, they're like sitting six, six feet apart. Um, of course, Houston's one of the nine teams that can play that play games um, with fans in attendance. So they're there as well, but they're way high above and separated on the road. Craig Ackerman, who has been a part of the team for the last, oh my gosh, for a while, probably like 15 years or so. Um, he actually went to the same um, university that I did, Sam Houston State. Um, I, I, I'm not necessarily a big, huge college fan. I could say their like, nickname and stuff, but I'm not going to. So uh, he went to Sam Houston State, which is pretty cool. Um, and he's been uh, on the radio, but now on the um, when the Rockets play road games. He calls the game on TV. And then we have Matt Thomas, who actually was the um, the stadium announcer, the PA guy, when the Rockets play or won their two back to back finals. Like, but he was like super young. He was like 20, 21 when he did that. So he's a little bit older than that now. So he usually play or he usually calls the games as a play by play on the um, on the road while Craig is on TV. As for 
our um, analyst, it's usually um, Matt Bullard, who used to be a player for the Rockets, and he's been he does that for the home and on the road. And then occasionally, um, Clyde Drexler <laughs> is the uh, or does some color for the Rockets as well, although he hasn't been doing it as much the last few years. But we have a wide variety of folks who are sort of doing or who call the games during the season um how's as for what i think about them um i feel like bill is really close to retiring although it's been said or he's been saying that for the last three to four years at this point and quite frankly his better days have been a while ago so sometimes he can just be really really homerish and it's really hard to quite frankly listen to him i uh, enjoy Craig Ackerman a lot more. I feel like him and um, Matt Bullard, his nickname's Bull, are really good together. And usually it's just a good, like, sort of um, back and forth in chemistry between them. So when I usually, when the, the um, Rockets are playing on national TV or are on the road, I'll usually listen to them um, either on the radio or on TV, depending on what's going on. Um, and then I I'm sort of happy that Clyde is no longer um, on the games as much. I mean, he's on there occasionally, but not as much. And that's just mostly because he just says like really random and wild stuff. Like one time he said, um, I don't know who he was talking about, but essentially it was like, it's like um, clubbing baby seals. Like that was a thing that he said. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, essentially it. it's, it's okay. I mean, I feel like with the change to, having to be like separated it's a little bit rough because sometimes like there's disconnect even greater so compared to before um because they can't like necessarily see each other's faces but it, it's not too bad i feel like it's the same old as the, as how it's been the last several seasons so um i don't know i don't feel too bad about the team other than like just them not playing well what's the like the status in ever in the arenas now, like when the season first started, I kind of complained a bit about the Moda center because it was like super dark and depressing. And I thought the whole thing was just like cold and like sort of unfeeling. And I could see how it would be really hard both for even the home team as well as somebody coming in to like really get into the spirit of the game. But lately they've like, kind of brighten things up a little bit. They've moved the cutouts, either that or they've just gotten – like, for a while they had cut up cutouts, but they were in, like, the very tippy-top corner, and, like, you could only see them sometimes when the camera panned up. But now they've moved them, so they're not, like, right behind, but they're closer to the, uh, to the players and the benches. I don't know. I just – I feel like they're sort of – getting a little bit better. I feel like the benches are getting a little bit more involved. Um, or do you think maybe I'm just getting used to how things are with the, the new world of COVID? Um, I mean, maybe it, it could just be a little bit of both. So I feel as though the one thing that's sort of weird is just not seeing the, um, the sideline reporters being close to the players, especially after the game and doing those, um, you know, those short interviews. So I forgot to mention Kaylee or Kaylee Griffin is the um, court 
courtside reporter for the Rockets, and she's really good. This is like her third season, and she like started right before all the COVID stuff happened. So it, it's just um, and before she was pretty good, and now that she's up like near where like Craig and all the other announcers are, I, I feel like that sort of um, chemistry or lack that thereof when it comes to the after game interviews is just like ugh. Um, that's hard yeah I think that's the hardest thing and that's probably hard for all the courtside reporters because they can't be close to them like they have those you know changes to the um, rules when it comes to that Um, but I I don't necessarily I guess I'm just used to it at this point since you know we've had the bubble um, last summer and now it's been you know close to half a season since the um, you know this season started so I guess I'm a little bit used to it, but it's still sort of weird. Um, I mean, the Rockets, I guess, are fortunate or unfortunate with having the ability to have, you know, fans in the stadium. So you can actually hear cheering and stuff like that. But it's not as bad as I thought it would be a couple of months ago. Well, you mentioned that we're about halfway through the season, and that means we've got the All-Star break coming up. And that means All-Star voting has started. We've had a couple of round of fan returns and I'm wondering I'd love to hear everybody's reactions about um, if you have any um, on the returns that have been coming in for the all-star game any big surprises Uh, let's see who wants to start with their thoughts on that I'll go I'll go I think fan voting is a joke Um, it's they just don't a lot of, not a lot of people watch the game of basketball anymore. And I think we've talked about that. I think we all agree on that. A lot of people look at the analytics, look at the numbers, look at some highlights and say, oh, okay, this is basketball. No, that's not basketball. You have to sit and watch the game to understand the game of basketball. It drives me bonkers that people don't do that. And we can call them NBA casuals. You can call them whatever you want to call them. The fan return has always been a joke. I agree with the starters that they have thus far. I agree with those. I agree. I think most, they don't never get those wrong. You never get those wrong. I knew that Kevin Durant and LeBron James would be at the top of the voting. I knew that. Um, And then the rest of the starters, you got Giannis, you got Joel for the East, and then you got the Joker, LeBron. There's one more four. I think Kawhi for the West, for the Forts. And then the guards in the in the West, you're probably gonna have to shuffle Dane, Luca, and Steph. One, two of those three are gonna get in and be the starters. And then in the East, Bradley Beal has the most votes. So congratulations to Bradley Beal. You'll probably have Bradley Beal, Kyrie, or James Harden, but Bradley Beal for sure, and either Kyrie or James Harden. Although I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan, I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan. I want to see him start, but. I think the way it's set up, the East would need a point guard at that point. So you would have to either go James Harden or Kyrie. Um, I think Kyrie right now is second, if I'm not mistaken. I think okay, so wait a minute. You field. said that you thought that the fan votes were wrong, but then you just said that they got the starters right. So where's, yes. where's the problem with the fan votes if they've got the starters right? Have you seen the bottom part? They got play in there. Are they you going to say Clay. Carmelo Anthony? They got Alex Caruso in there. That's they got Alex Caruso. But yeah, all, the fan I'm, boat's yeah. only... Okay, here's my thing. The fan boat is only half of the equation. 
it gets balanced out by players and um, media Co- the last. And then does, don't the coaches pick the oh uh, yeah yeah the non-starters? So yeah. like, why not give Carmelo Anthony all star votes? Like it's got to be a contest, you know. It's it, I don't know. I think it adds fun. I mean, if if people really like Alex Caruso, let him vote for Alex Caruso. I guess I'm just I want to I want to be convinced a little more that the fan voting isn't a fun. Okay, part. I'm gonna read off the list. The starters are right. I say the starters. They usually get the starters right. There's usually no controversy in the starters the controversy comes in who's getting votes donovan mitchell's being disrespected he has under half a million votes they have the best record in basketball and he's their leading scorer i'm not saying he should be above dane i'm just saying he should have more than four hundred seventy-nine thousand votes in my opinion um hmm you got alex caruso cj mccollum i don't even know if cj mccollum would play an all-star game because of his foot um you can tell me if i'm right or wrong but if C.J. McCollum did not get hurt, he would probably be top four. But they have him at number nine. I think De'Aaron Fox should be in the top ten. But people don't watch basketball. Like I said, people don't watch basketball. Yeah. And Clay um, should Alex be there. I yeah, think that anyone who has a – Yeah, if anyone who has a season-ending oh, injury a should point. have been removed um, from <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, I understand why. But he didn't even play a single game, not even a preseason game. He should be removed. Exactly. That's a strong argument. <laughs> So when you look at certain things, you just kind of laugh. Now the East, I don't really have a problem with the guards in the East. Like I don't have a a big issue with the guards. Um, Zach Levine's playing very well. Jalen Brown's playing very well. Trey Young is Trey Young. Colin Sexton is getting the respect he deserves. People want to see Derrick Rose in the All Star game. I understand that. Russell Westbrook, I don't think should be there because his numbers have not been great this season. Uh, Fred Van Fleet even got some love for the All Star game, so that's that's fine. But when the fans vote, they're voting. They're not voting based on them watching the games. They're voting on who they like. Okay. There is no way in hell Alex Caruso, excuse my language, should be on this list. No way. Above De'Aaron Fox, are you kidding me? Like, and that just shows that people don't watch the game. Donovan Mitchell should not have 479,000 votes when you have the best record in the NBA and you're the leading scorer. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's why I think it's a joke. Now, I could be the minority in that, and I really don't care, but it's a joke. I'm not saying he should be above Dame, but he he should at least have a million votes, at least, at the very least. Being in a small market, congratulations, Donovan Mitchell. You have the best record in basketball, and nobody respects you. That's just my, my opinion. See, I think that comes into the MVP com- race conversation. I think he's being extremely disrespected in the MVP race conversation. I just can't get that worked up about the um, – not that I'm saying you're worked up. I asked you a question. I, I just can't <laughs> – I personally just don't get uh, that worried about the bottom of the thing. And, you know, part of it is – and, like, this might make you mad, Britt, but, like, Carmelo Anthony at number 10, I actually have voted for him for a couple times because I have been watching the games and because the way that he goes in there and changes and just, like, brings joy to the games, sometimes that's just what I need and I just really like it as a fan. So as a fan, I'm voting for things like that. I'm not necessarily digging into the – um into the numbers, I'm thinking for All-Star Game, I'm thinking who makes this look fun and wonderful and like the game that I love? What, 
Oh, Janelle, I don't think we've heard from you yet on this. What's your philosophy about uh, all-star voting? I agree with Amber. You know, the fans really sometimes make a mockery of the voting process. And, and it's just really ironic that they can get the starters right, you know, the superstars right. But every everywhere else, they just clowning. And, you know, it's not right for those who, who have really been putting in the work, like a Donovan Mitchell, to, to not get the respect and the praise due to him. And some of that respect and praise due to him is all-star voting. And again, it, it goes to Amber's point that a lot of people don't even watch the game. They just watch um, on a shallow basis and, you know, know all the the usual superstar suspects. That's where they get it right. And Clay should not be on the list at all. At all. They're, they're siphoning votes from people who have really have been playing this year and putting in the work this year. Caruso shouldn't get that type of love. Not Van Vliet either. You know, that's where the fans uh, gets it wrong. But, it, and it's good that the media and the coaches balance some of the foolery out. Rudy out Gobert's not on there either. Huh? Rudy Gobert is not on there either to you guys. Both and, your and point. A, and that's a shame too, yeah. because I mean, no one has expected Utah to, to be the best, to have the best record in the NBA. And they should be getting the props period. And even, even something as small in a sense, as all-star, they deserve that. And, you know, fans, fans are going to fan and, you know, fans blow when you're hot. That's, and that's just it. And they, and they show, they show what they are. Um, every all-star game, as far as voting goes, this isn't anything new. I, as much as it pains me to say it because Utah is just a thorn in my side, they're so good this year. <laughs> they really, they really, really are. So Amber, anything else that you want to add? I have to say you guys have convinced me a little bit. <laughs> I don't think that Clay Thompson should be on there. Who's never played a game. I'm not that. Yeah, I don't think Alex Crusoe. I was I was so excited for this year for All Star because CJ was playing so yep. well, and I really thought this was going to be the best possible scenario where these guys would be named All Stars and then they wouldn't have to play and they'd get the rest. And I was so excited for that. And then the league decided that they needed to actually play an All Star game. So how's everybody feeling about that decision? I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Mm -mm. At all. Why? The players don't even like it. They're like, uh, uh, no. Like, I don't want to do it. De'Aaron Fox said, why? Like, what's the point? What is the point? All-Star Weekend is for fans. Like, that's clear. Like, All-Star Weekend is for the fans. It's for the players to be with their families. And it's a family-filled atmosphere. Why even have it in Atlanta? I mean, they've been partying in Atlanta since the since COVID happened anyway. So, you know, it's not going to stop their party. But why? Why Why would you even want to attempt that when the players aren't even, aren't even feeling it? Like, what kind of all-star game are we going to get? Something the energy's that's going to be hollow and something that's yeah. really forced. I, 
I, I just, I mean, I, I understand why they, they want that extra money, but you know, how much money do they really need? And it's just so insensitive to players like Cat. Think about how Cat mm-hmm. is feeling right now. Him getting COVID and losing seven family members to that. But yeah, it's, it's all about getting that money at the end of the day. But, you know, it, it made sense to, you know, have the distinction without the game. You know, that kind of lessens the risk. And there's already risk anyway. There was like nearly, what, over 20 games postponed in January alone. And with an all-star game, and, and there's fans, there's like a few fans that's in State Farm Arena. You're asking for a super spreader event. It, it, it's not cool at all. Well, and you're asking for like the best players to all go hang out together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from mul- from a whole bunch of teams. Like right now we're having, you know, two teams play against each other and then they go and they, you know, two other teams are playing against each other. But it's like, you know, it's kind of like a- here locally we have rules that, you know, ha- households, you should only get together with two households. So, you know, this is like opening up and saying, hey, the whole neighborhood can come. Let's just all mix and mingle again and let's just all, you know, expose each other. And I'm... I'm super worried about the just the pace of the rest of the season in order to get it done in time so they can go to the Olympics, which is a whole other thing. Um, but just these guys have been playing every other day, like every other day. And I just I'm worried that they're not going to get enough rest. Britt, what do you think? I think all of it's just a selfish money grab. Um that's why I don't really care so much about the all-star voting. Um, it's always been a popularity contest. And as long as the league, when it comes to saying like, and the media, especially when it comes to saying the best of all time, exclude the all-star game voting. Um, I'm completely fine with whoever gets voted in or not, because it's ultimately just, you know, partially a fan competition. And a lot of times the folks who get in are those in the major markets and then it's also just watching you know bad games and bad um sports because they're just you know playing you know for nothing and it's usually okay to watch them play for nothing um but this year is going to be especially egregious if they do decide to play this game with um, especially with some fans' attendance, my major issue, and it will continue to be so, and why I probably won't watch the game if it does come on, is that they're going to have representatives from over half of the teams. Like if we assume that, you know, at least one to two players from multiple teams will be on the rosters, either as a starter or as a reserve, there's going to be a bunch of folks at that game including the commissioner of the nba and all his associates because they usually have the um you know the mid-season uh board of directors meeting or board of governors meetings and the meetings with the players association at that time so i I guess in short I, i just find it all just like egregious and just um a huge money grab. They can do what they want at this point. I don't think, I think they just have some sponsorship obligations, but I, I just find it really disgusting. Um, and that's really why I just don't 
care outside the fact that if they cause a super spreader event, they're probably going to cause the season to be delayed and or canceled. So um, hopefully they put in enough um, rules to prevent that. But of course, we'll have to wait and see. I just think the whole thing is gross and it's just so clearly money over people. It's just, it's like, they're not even trying to hide it. They're like, we have to do this because of TV so we can make our money. I'm like, you guys are like one of the most creative, you know, smartest people in the world. And you can't come up with some other way to make money. Janelle, did you want to say something? Yeah. And the shame of it all is they're going to make that money up anyway, uh, it's 72 games and that's just enough to get that TV. There's no need for the all-star game and they're having it in, in Atlanta. And this is another thing that's really disingenuous. They, they was having it in Atlanta and st- saying that like the monies or, or whatever would go to HBCUs. I think that's BS. This is, they're having it in Atlanta because TNT is there and they wouldn't have to travel. Just, That's just, right. Yeah. Just greedy, just greedy as all outdoors. They took just it away stuff. from Indiana. Like if they were going to have it, just have it where you were going to have it. Right. I, I'm just, I'm really surprised that, I don't know, I guess it, it, it had to have been part of all the negotiations with the MBPA. I mean, there's no way that there this wasn't included in what they were talking about. It was never like revealed what was going to happen. I just... I don't know. So the the you know there's a really important history of the All Star Game that we learned a little bit about this summer, and that was the 1964 All Star Game, which was I think maybe the first televised one. The players were actually going to strike and not go out and play because that was the the moment where they said unless the league recognizes the players' association, we are not going to go out and play that game, and that was a big huge moment in the NBA. So, like, part of me wonders, like, I don't know. Like, one thing that could happen is what frequently happens is a whole bunch of guys come up with injuries and are not able to play. So a bunch of other people go and get sent to go play. But I don't know. Maybe we're going to have part two of the players rising up and saying, we can't do this. I mean, I don't know. It just, to me, it just, like... It's just such a gross thing that they're having it that I'm hoping and and that the players are like, oh, LeBron is openly saying, I don't, you know, I'm not enthused about this. You know, they're they're out there saying, you know, we we don't really want to do this, but we're going to do it because it's in our contract. I don't know. Maybe they'll come up with something. I probably broke all kinds of laws, like trying to instigate something. Oh, wait. (laughs) No. The one thing is that with the. CBA, I think this is going to be another consequence of the future CBA negotiation. I feel like I bring this up quite often, but they, there's the CBA is about to end and they have their mutual opt-out period in 2023. So that's two years away. I mean, it felt like a long time ago, but now it's only two years away at this point. I think this is going to be another thing that is going to, I mean, I don't want to be negative and say like, hey, there's going to be a work stoppage, but I really feel like there's going to either be a lockout or a strike. And I think this is just going to be another thing that's thrown into that bucket. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, ultimately, they all want money. But if they're not, if they feel like they're not being listened to, or at least a bunch of the players aren't feeling like they're being listened to, that's going to be a real huge concern. 
it's going to be something to watch the the way the way it all happens. Well, so anybody have any other last things that they want to say about the All Star Game? I mean, I do have the on uh, playing for the team that I watch is the defending dunk champion. Uh, so maybe he'll get to go. I don't know. That's yet more people. Like we're supposed to be still trying to be careful about bringing more people in, but if they're going to bring in other people for the dunk contest, additional people for the skills contest, either the guys who show up to play the game are going to have to do everything and they're going to be exhausted or there's going to be, like you said, even more players at that game. And yeah, I don't, yeah, the whole thing's yeah. a mess. And when it comes to the, I mean, I talked about this on your show, Tara, on We Have It, or uh, We Have a Tape It Take, is that a lot of this, other than the All Star game itself, they could do remotely. And I, it probably would feel unusual, but they could figure out a way to do it, especially since TNT will be handling, you know, what would be the equivalent of All Star Saturday night. So it, it's just a shame and embarrassing that even the NFL, who has had a lot of their stumbles this season, they decided for their Pro Bowl game not to have it and just have a ceremonial thing. So if the NBA can't even do that, and I understand it's all money and the NFL who has looked awful in parts of the season has done a lot better than them. Maybe they should like look themselves in the mirror, but who knows? I, I don't know. Yeah. Any last thoughts on all-star weekend? They shouldn't have it. That's it. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. That's you should listen to your players. Isn't it? It does the NBA. They, they listen to their players the most out of any, professionally we would all re- agree there so listen to your players if you want them to continue playing and they've played through some extreme circumstances these past this past what year year and a half you better listen adam silver you better listen chris paul get on the horn do what you got to do um he made the bubble happen and congratulations for chris paul for making the bubble happen that was successful but this is a different animal you know we're still dealing with this so Chris Paul has got to get on the phone with Adam Silver and figure this out. But the thing is, Chris Paul is the one who made the agreement with oh, Adam Silver. Chris. So that that's the issue that I have is that it seems like Chris Paul is more on Albert or Adam Silver's side and therefore the um, governors slash owners of the different teams side until I mean, if he is just saying like, hey, there's a monetary reason, I wish they would be more transparent about it. Like right now, it's just like, oh, we just want to do it. And even though all these players are saying, no, I'm not interested or sort of like, you know, essentially saying, hey, I don't want to do this. They should be at least honest, <laughs> at least to the NBPA or BA, um, the rest of them to see like why they need to play this game in the first place. Like if it's really a monetary thing, like if they're going to lose another X millions of dollars, then whatever, but they could figure out a better way of doing this without having the game. Um, That's why it makes me so frustrated. Like this entire situation is just really gross to me. So since he made the agreement, can't the players go to him and, and share their frustrations? I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I'm probably saying this wrong is that it was probably a part of the agreement of the wider uh, uh, 
amendment to the CBA, which allowed this season to happen. But I don't think they all got the the message about, hey, this includes playing an all-star game no matter what. Um, so that's probably another failing on Chris Paul. I mean, the um, I mean, there's a few other things that happened uh, that allowed like Kevin Durant to go over to Golden State that he was the president of the MBPA of. I mean, we can have a whole podcast about that. So I, I guess the bottom line is the if the players feel that strongly about it, they need to talk to their rep, who is Chris Paul, and they need to talk to the board for the Players Association. That's really the bottom line. Okay, I guess they need to, communication is key in this in this instance. Communication is key. Have we heard from Kyrie Irvin on this topic yet? No, I, I want to. I want to so curious. bad. I, I, I want to so bad. Oh, there's another hot button topic that we're going to talk about that I would also love to hear from Kyrie Irving about. And that's our final topic of today. And that is the national anthem. Oh, boy. The NBA is now embroiled in, well, that's not the right word. It's come up because it came to someone's attention that the Dallas Mavericks were no longer playing the national anthem. And once, as soon as somebody noticed, it became that's when it became a deal. And the NBA said, oh, no, no, everybody is going to play the anthem. So we could go a couple ways on this. I've heard other podcasts. Everybody has a lot of thoughts on this, understandably. Um, one really interesting discussion that I heard from a podcast, a local Portland one, um, called wake up and win is he said, he asked the question of his guests, like how important is it to you personally that the anthem is played at sporting events? Like, what does it mean to you that the anthem is played at sporting events? I'm curious if any of you would like to answer that question. Like to me, it's a habit. That's, that's about, (laughs) I mean, it's a, I don't know that the song itself rep- – the song itself doesn't represent what I would like. I If I was going to choose a song about our country, I would choose a different one. I would choose like the Oh Beautiful for Spacious Skies one, which like just describes the beauty of the nature of our country. Um, I would not choose the Star Spangled Banner. Um and I just, to me, it's just like, it's like a habit. This is, oh, the game is starting. But I know it means more to other people. Um, if I can go first, I, I think there's two things that are going on. I mean, we can, if folks were old enough to play basketball or to watch basketball back in like the late 90s, early 2000s, um, Amud Abdul Wadi or Raluf, or I always say his yeah, name wrong. Abdul Raluf. Yeah, Raluf. Yeah. Um, he was essentially bat- blacklisted because he said that he wasn't going to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. The NBA has never apologized for that. They should have never back- blacklisted him in general. Um, and I think that was just like one of the reasons. Um, ultimately, a lot of these teams um, and leagues do this because they get paid by the government. Um, and military pays for them to do a lot of these engagements. Um, and that is whatever it is like, you know, they can do whatever they want when it comes to that money. But 
my sort of opinion is that the Star Spangled Banner um, is written by a guy who was a slave owner back in the 1800s, essentially the or the um, 18th century, the 1700s, um, and I just find it ironic that as we're trying to be more aware of the injustices that are happening to minority folks, especially black folks, that it's that it's being made a big deal that men and women who are, you know, citizens or at least associated with the United States, either, you know, through um you know, green cards or whatever have to be forced to stand up for three to four minutes to hear a national anthem where a lot of them weren't even respected during the time because of that. So bottom line, I find it just all silly. Um, If the one reporter didn't notice that the Dallas Mavericks weren't playing the um, national anthem, then I don't think anyone would have cared. Um, A lot of times I see people purposely not go into the arena until after the Pledge of Allegiance is sung because they don't want to have to stand up and sit there for, you know, three to four minutes. Um, I find it all just like really, I I guess I just find it just a display of, you know, quote unquote patriotism or patriotism instead of actually being um, patriotic um, and actually respecting, you know, everyone in the country and individuals who are minorities as well as, you know, um, whoever else, white folks, however you want to name it. So I I just find it a whole lot of BS. Um, You know, if you're cool with saying the national anthem, that's completely fine. I I don't care, but I don't necessarily think you need to do that during a sporting event. Like a lot of those people aren't even USC citizens anyway. And you're saying, Hey, they need to stand up for that. Like, I, I think that's, that should be held to like the Olympics because technically speaking, the players are, all the folks that are over there are representing their nations and that's why they play it. But why do we have to do it during a game where there's only, you know, two countries really representative, although there's a lot of players from different countries. For me, I, I believe that the, this whole thing about the anthem and, you know, to be honest, I haven't really thought much of it. And it's just, that was just something as a habit, like you said, Tara, and, you know, it, it shouldn't be a big deal about it. And what's, makes it so bad is that the big deal is is disingenuous and egregious because of all of the social unrest that's been happening um recently and you know a lot of these fans don't really care about the anthem for real for real you know they they don't of course they don't stand up in their homes they go to the fridge go to the bathroom or, or whatever you know it's i just I just find it just messy, messy and, and BS, just like uh, what Britt says. I agree wholeheartedly. Oh boy, how do I start with this one? Okay, I'll go back. I won't. I won't get too in depth with it, but I'll go back. So when I was in college, we never was out. We were never outside for the national anthem. We were always in the locker room. I never. I think I stood for the national anthem. Maybe, maybe high school maybe um for a sporting event but in college we didn't do it at all 
in any of the colleges I went to and play basketball. We didn't do it at all. And I don't know why, but the more I read my history <laughs> and educate myself on, you know, what people went through before me, it becomes more of a sensitive subject because the way that the Star Spangled Banner is written, you don't get the full Star Spangled Banner, but people don't know that. Um, you get you get portions of it. But if people were to do their research in their history, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say what it really says online. Well, on this podcast, then you would know that it does not favor people of color. So why shall I, a person of color, listen to a song for however many minutes it, it plays that does not represent me? That's what Mark Cuban was saying. My players felt like, and he has international players on his squad as well. My players felt like that the Star Spangled Banner does not represent them. So I haven't been playing it. And that's what Mark even said. And people were like, oh, okay. But it's so unnecessary. A lot of the stuff that sporting teams do is so unnecessary. The league is majority dominated by people of color. We all agree there. Even the NFL. And you can go back to Colin Kaepernick. You can go back to the Olympics. Oh, what was his name? Put his fist in the air during the Olympics. And played the... Tommy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had his his hand in the air in my in my vision, and I just had to think of his name. You can go back to all of these people who did the opposite of social norms. Because you you guys said, right? It's a normal thing. Um, it's a social normal thing in a, you know, in an athletic event. And it's weird. Um, it's weird for me to listen to the national anthem, me knowing the history of it. I remember I used to go to Thunder games. And I used to be sitting there texting on my phone and some white guy was just looking at me. And I just looked at him like he had his hat off and his hat over his chest. But I do live in the Midwest. I do live in a red state. Let's just get that out the way. Um, so. The way that people feel about it is you get mixed feelings about it. But me as an African-American woman or as a black woman, excuse me, I don't get the point of it. I never understood the point of it. They play it. Cool. That's fine. I don't even watch it on my TV. I say, oh, mom, the national anthem is coming on. I'm, ta- I'm changing the channel. It, I don't care who's singing it. I don't listen to it because it doesn't apply to me. So there's a lot of things that does, do not apply to me in this country. Um, can I ignore everything that doesn't apply to me? No, I can't. But that particular song doesn't apply to me. So I don't understand why I would have to apply to other athletes of color or even other athletes that are not from here. So it's pointless to play it. And I, (laughs) that's me putting it nicely. My initial thoughts were that, wow, Mark Cuban listen to what his players said they were like we don't feel this and he was like okay we're not gonna do it anymore and then adam silver had to like double down and make a big point about it and like did nothing that the players have been saying (laughs) in this last year about how they feel about the world and how they're treated and how they're viewed like did none of that sink in because yeah i mean if the history of those lyrics, they they take a turn in the other verses. And um, yeah, they're 
I I agree with you all that it's just like why why are we doing this? And I I was just really surprised at Adam Silver's reaction. Or were you guys not surprised? Um, I mean, I'm personally not surprised because the commissioner's office talks for the board of governors, aka the ownership of the NBA, and the vast majority of the NBA is owned by white men. Um, yeah. To be blunt about it, Great point. so. Until or unless they either listen or until that sort of element changes, um, even though the NBA is very um, or at least relatively liberal, I, I think they sort of take it to like, hey, we'll let you do t- go to a certain extent. But if you go any far- further, then that's going to make us look bad. Um, I mean, you can look at that article by True Hoops. Um, What's his name? Oh, I always forget his name from True Hoops. But um, Henry Abbott. Henry Abbott. Yeah. yeah um, Henry Abbott, who, you know, did an analysis of what happened with the voting and all the bubble association and where they were all off record saying like, hey, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to do this. And they were all giving money and funneling it through channels so that they didn't, so people didn't see that they were voting and using their money for voting mechanisms for, you know, very conservative folks. Um, if I'm going to be kind about it. So I, I'm not surprised. Like he's, he's never, I feel like Adam Silver has done a lot. Like he was the one who ultimately made the decision to kick out, um, Donald Sterling, I think that we, uh, it can't be ignored the positives that he has done, um, even above, you know, previous commissioners, but at the same time, he's ultimately talking for the ownership and even saying ownership is weird because like, like I said before, the person who wrote the national anthem was a slave owner. Um, and if we're going to make like parallels and I won't, because I feel like that's sort of gross, but essentially we're seeing, you know, the ownership groups essentially trying to get power back by these, you know, sort of plays via Adam silver. And, and, and quite frankly, I guess it just goes back to like, it sound it makes it look like, all like hypocrisy, especially on the player side, because those are the ones who are going to get the backlash. It's not going to be the ownership that's like making these decisions. And then this talking on um, and Adam Silver talking to on behalf of them is going to be the players who get that rep. So I, I just find it all just very hypocritical and gross. Um, I guess that's the second time or third time I've said gross, but I just find it all just really gross right now. A lot of the stuff that's going on with the league. I agree. Gross is a word that I use a lot when I'm talking about a lot of this stuff. Well, we are just about out of time. Let's let's end on a high note because that felt a little depressing. Um, uh, if that's okay, or if we just want to go out with that, I would like to know one thing that everybody is looking forward to in the coming week for their team. For me, I am looking forward to the fact that we're supposed to be hearing pretty soon an update on CJ McCollum. And I just, I have my fingers crossed that he's going to be able to come back in a timely manner, completely healed and be able to pick up where he left off. How about you, Janelle? I'm looking to see whether or not the Warriors can win more than two games in a row. They they haven't won two uh, more than two games in a row. And they haven't lost no more than two games in a row all year. 
That'll be interesting to see. And I'll also be interested in which center would come back uh, first, Looney or um, Wiseman. Okay, how about you, Amber? Wow. I just want to see if OKC can get through this gauntlet of a schedule they have coming up. Um, They got the Bucks. I'm looking at the schedule now. I know they got the Bucks, Blazers, I believe, Bucks, Blazers, Memphis, and then Bucks again. So, you know, they got through the L.A., L.A., Denver with three losses in a row. And they played those games great. Overtime with the Lakers the first time. Shea went off. Double overtime with the Lakers on that Wednesday. And Al Horford had a good game. Lost to Denver. Hamidou Diallo tips in the, tips in the ball. Goaltending at the end of the third. Denver wins by two. That was a three-point shot. Uh, let's not talk about that. It's a little depressing. So you got Milwaukee tonight. Portland Tuesday. Memphis Wednesday. And Milwaukee again on Friday. God, please bless us. We, we just want one or two wins. You know, one or two wins. OKC had the worst loss in franchise history against Milwaukee last year. One or two wins, Lord. And I would be very, very happy and pleased with that gauntlet because they played some great basketball, just couldn't close it out. So Nice. Well, we'll be thinking about that except for the Blazer game. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Britt? What's one thing you're looking forward to or hoping for? There isn't too much. Um, similarly to OKC, the Rockets have been on a losing streak, in this case a five-game losing streak, after a five-game winning streak, which basically wipes out both of those. So I'm just hoping for one win. I don't know if it's feasible. I think the only game that probably is pretty feasible is the Wizards this week um, tomorrow, although they have actually been starting to play well. But their upcoming games include the 76ers, the Mavericks, the Pacers, the Bulls, who have been playing pretty well. And the um, it, and I guess that's up to next week. So I, I hope that they can at least win one game next week. I think we're sort of at a point where it's like they're going to just not be good this season. And I think pretty soon they're going to have to make a decision on what they want to do in the future. But I I just want them to make a decision on that. I feel like we're sort of wavering. And now that they're close to 30 games in out of the 72, um, it'd just be worth having a lot more positive things to say on about the team. And right now it's just really hard to do so. Well, ladies, thank you as always for the great conversation. I think we covered a lot of really important topics. So I'm going to close this out here and tell listeners, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate everyone who downloads and listens to our episodes. If you want to find the handle for the show on Twitter, it's at, at Step Back Sisters. You can find me on Twitter at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. Uh, Amber, why don't you go next and just toss pass it along and then we'll be out of here. You can find me on Twitter only at simply me underscore A-V. Um, that's, that's the only platform that I use. I know I'm, it sounds like an old person, but <laughs> Twitter gives me all the information I need to know. And then you can find the podcast uh, Twitter page at Step Back. Oh, good. I'm on here right now, actually. Oh, boy. At Step Back Sisters on, on Twitter as well. We'll keep you updated. I know you guys missed us. I sent out a missed you 
I missed you guys' message, and we have missed you guys. Um, Super Bowl Sunday was relaxing for me. I'm sorry, Janelle, that you had to work, but I relaxed on Super Bowl Sunday. I lost a lot of money on Super Bowl Sunday, so all is well. Uh, Janelle, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter. Uh, uh, that is Janelle12. That is J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E 12. And they can also find me somewhat on Instagram under Writer Diva. But the best place to find me is on Twitter. Yeah, and as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Brit Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. I'm also on the Launchpad podcast. And thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week.